to the Directors UK podcast. This episode comes from our member event with the amazing Koganada, director of After Yang. In a conversation with fellow director and Directors UK board member Alex Kalimnios, Koganada told us all about the experience of working on a genre film, assembling his terrific cast and his own directing influences. We hope you enjoy. Welcome. We are so excited to have you here. Um, I just wanted to start with saying how uh, amazing I thought the film was. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching it. It was so thought-provoking and I just love the atmosphere and the world of it. And there's so much I want to sort of ask you about. Um, and I guess really we should probably start at the beginning in the most obvious space of, of how how you came across this short story, what drew you to this um, short story that it was based on. And also, and, and how you, because you wrote, directed and edited this, mm. which is yeah. pretty amazing, which I also want to really dig into how how that works in reality. Mm. <laughs> um, but how you adapted that and and... Yeah, and how the script came out. So sorry, there's about a million questions in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, I, I think it's so hard to find that second project. You know, when you you've directed something and it's gotten a bit of attraction, and and certainly, I, I don't know how it is in the UK, but in America, it's a bit it's a bit tricky because you know a lot of us come in from a very independent world, and you know someone like me, I was very in, more influenced by like international cinema than uh, necessarily com- commercial cinema in America, and so finding financing, you know, for your the, the second work, and there's um and there was a bit of a process after Columbus. Um, uh, and trying to figure out what I was going to be able to make next. Uh, and I had a few ideas and some original things that I, w- I was thinking about. Um, and also uh, was really in debt because of the first film, you know, because, it, you know, uh, as, 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 as it is, you uh, really have to kind of give up work and just really um, focus on, on a project and then travel with it. So how, um, how long was Columbus? Cause I don't know if our members have seen Columbus and if you haven't, you really should. It's an incredible mm. film. And I just absolutely loved, I love, I, I, yeah, I watched that this week as well. And I just was quite blown away wow. with just, just the design of it. And, and actually both films feel very different actually of mm. how you've approached it. And that's also what I love is the fact that there's a stillness and there's obviously a real, internet um you know the, the way you approach how you frame things how you approach it from a storytelling point of view is quite clear but they're also quite different in both stories mm. but with that process how how long was that then in terms of from writing to getting yeah. out there yeah so with columbus um i probably wrote the script in about uh once i really kind of um took some time to start writing it it took about three to five months, you know, to, to kind of where it was ready to, to shoot. And then, um, and then when we shot it, we had 18 days, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really incredible. (laughs) 18 days. So I knew that, um, but you know, uh, going back to the editing, you know, I uh, it really helped because I, I kind of knew how I wanted to shoot it, and and I didn't have to 
spend a lot of time trying to figure out, co- you know, like coverage. I just kind of mm. knew uh, with each scene, like, okay, this is how I want, I'm going to cut it. And so it wasn't. And it was really like, very bold of the coverage. It was sometimes oh, you just, you. you don't even see any, you know, and you're just yeah. like one person and that's it. And I was <laughs> like, are we ever like, oh no, we're not. I love this. And it's so refreshing and exciting as a filmmaker to see that because often you think, People always want to see like a yeah, reaction yeah. or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like one scene. Sorry, I know we should be talking about the other film, but I remember <laughs> like one scene in particular in the library where her friend comes up and she's and you're just on the friend for like ages and you're not on her and you're like <laughs> yeah. and it just felt so brave and bold and I did wonder oh. whether that was um, a decision that you made before or decision that you decided <laughs> in the edit or was that like an 18 day thing? <laughs> no, no, well, some of it was like I knew that I would with having 18 days that I I wanted to do less really well than than to try to do a lot and not be able to kind of shoot it and capture it in the way that that I, I really wanted to. Um, but some of it was also about even thematically, you know, I, I'm just really interested in negative space and absence of uh, of information or people sometimes a, as a way of kind of making you lean forward. And so I kind of already knew that, oh, when they're looking at a notebook, I'm not going to do that shot where you get to see the notebook. Or when someone's talking behind glass, I think I'm just going to not let us always have access to everything that uh, is being said, you know, or or the person who's who's talking. Uh, which I guess, you know, in, in a more conventional coverage, you're, there's an expectation of, of of the viewer getting to always have access to what what's most immediate or important. So there's just something in the way that as a first film, I just knew that I wanted to play with that a bit. And, I, I, and some of my, uh, some of the films that I love play with it in different ways, but I've always known that those were the films that really stayed with me. So, so yeah, so there was, it was, there was some intention behind uh, that. And it helped too with 18 Days. It also really helped because I was able to not, um, feel like I had to have that just as safety and I actually had producers too who really um you know is sort of rare to give me a final cut and to also some I had one uh the person who kind of really helped me make it was a director a kind of a big blockbuster director but he loved Ozu he kind of loved the filmmakers that I I sort of loved and pretty much protected me and said you know, just let him do what he's going to do here. So it was, it was small enough, you know, it wasn't, the budget wasn't great. And and so the risk was low, but it was a great first experience because it was not, uh, there were not a lot of notes or a lot of people trying to suggest other things. And so, you know, there's one scene that I just covered with one shot with the mirrors, you know, with uh, Parker Posey and John Cho. And I, oh, I thought about, and mm. I thought about like doing one other thing to kind of in case, you know, but you know, I think we all felt really great after that. And we just went on, you know, and so that it just had to work or it didn't work, you know? And so, um, yeah, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes that's not always the, the you know, uh, best case scenario. Sometimes in the edit, as you know, you find it like, oh, I wish I had this or that. Um, but um, yeah, so I had 18 days to shoot it. And then I edited it in like three weeks, you know, I, I kind of uh-huh. had, yeah. And then I had a pretty rough, a cut that was rough, but almost 90% the way that it was in the final edit that we sent to Sundance and then it got to Sundance and then we were able to just finish it, you know? So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a compressed and there was a lot to do, but, um, you know. So was after Yang a similar 
Jenny, yeah. Was that? No, well, at that point, you know, uh, and and Columbus was a bit of a slow roll, but it really started finding its audience. You know, it was kind of a film that people were discovering later. And by the time, so right off of Sundance and, and Columbus, you know, um, it, it was still like difficult to figure out what, what I could make next. And, you know, you're also trying to make a living and all of that. And then about a year or two later, you know, people were really catching up to it and, and I, I, you know, wanting to work with me. And, um, and then one, one producer in particular, um, really I had a meeting with her in New York, uh, Tressa Park, and she was just very determined. You know, I had met with, at that point, a ton of producers and, and uh, production companies, and we we're all trying to sort out if there was a project that felt right. Um, and, you know, and things that were like sent to me from studios that just felt like, oh, God, I could never, you know, direct it for all kinds of reasons. But um, Teresa was used to be a literary agent. And so she sent me this collection of short stories. And she said, um, she, you know, she after the meeting, she's like, I will find something to do with, you know, you know and she was like, didn't just say, it, you know, it, it was a, one of those where you just meet and everyone But she was like the next week, you know, she was sending me things. And then. Um, she had bought the rights of a short uh, in this collection, which she had asked me to read. And I didn't, it didn't really resonate with me. Uh, but then she said, well, why don't you read the whole collection? We can just get the rights of anything if you, if you, if you like it. And so that's when I found this little, it was very uh, spare and it was called saying goodbye to Yang. And it was just about a family. And really it was about this father who, um, who has to fix Yang, you know, Yang breaks right at the beginning of this short story. And uh, the little sister is sort of horrified. Uh, but it's a real, you can tell it's a real burden to him. Like there's no grief that he's feeling. He's just like, it's like his uh, refrigerator broke or his vacuum cleaner broke. And he's just annoyed that he has to fix it. And he's also a little bit uh, upset that it's like, uh, if he can't get this older brother fixed, that he might have to do more, you know, and and so there was just something about that in it, and and he doesn't go out to like he calls, and and within that day he realizes he can't fix him, and then he just has his own memories of Yang, you know, he doesn't find a memory chip or anything like that. It's just basically he has during that day he thinks about Yang, uh, and then he 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 recollects like a couple fond memories that he has of him, and 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 in the process of that day he sort of has a feeling of grief, you know, it's like catching up to some grief that he didn't know he had and a sense of loss and also a sense of like, almost that he was his son. And that was it, you know, it was just this very quiet, lovely story set in the near future. And it was just someone kind of uh, coping with a loss that was not really a son uh, and not really a, uh, a iPhone or something, but it was something in between that felt so interesting to me, you know, like to explore loss in a way that might offer another layer. And then because the author wasn't Asian, but because the robot was uh, Asian, really a construct of Asian that's not really Asian and that the daughter was this adopted Asian and I have two adopted uh, 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 Korean boys. Um, I just thought, oh, I, I, I can explore this in a deeper way. You know, there's something here that I could really explore as well. I'm interested in memory and loss and, um, and, you know, also just to say, you know, that, and I didn't even, it wasn't a strategy for me, but once 
people realized that I was going to take on a genre like Star Wars, at least in America, that was became very like suddenly I got financing, you know, uh, in a different way. Like people were very excited about the, the idea that I that I would take on a genre, even though I don't think they knew how quiet it was going to be, you know, and how how much I was going to kind of ground it. But um, so did but, you? So once you said, right, I love this story. What happened then? Did you have to go? Did you go away and write it really quick, or did you have to present your pitch of what you wanted to do? And and did they yeah. find the money quite quickly, or was it? Well, how long was that? Process? Yeah, yeah, it was really after a couple, like a year and a half of like really having to figure out what I might do next. Everything started happening quickly because then I said yes to this book. She got the rights to it. Um, and then right about the same time, there was really a growing interest in like people working with me. And uh, and so as soon as we got the rights to the book, I didn't even start writing it or even really putting a treatment to it. We just basically said, you know, Koganato wants to remake this this story, and people read the story and then met with me, and they were interested just by that sort of combination, you know, and uh, and Cinereach was the one that I wanted to work. I had a, I had an earlier meeting with them when I was doing a little New York round of meetings, and they were like a nonprofit organization, but trying but making a lot of uh, you know they they've made a lot of great independent films, and. Uh, yeah, I just loved when I met with them. I just, they re- really resonated. They shared a lot of the same references that I did. And yeah, I had a meeting with them and uh, they, yeah, they immediately um, signed on f- to pay for me to write it. And then, so um, I then was able to take a, a good three three months to start writing the script and adapting it. And then they were a part of that process. So they gave notes. Um, and I can't remember how long it took me to finish the script, but it was about three to five months, I think, you know, by the time we were like, okay, this is ready to go. And, you know, I wrote it to be small, you know, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is going to be a $25 million film. As you saw, it's very interior. And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to make this about, it's going to really exist in this family home, maybe inside these cars, maybe in a few, you know, places. And I originally wrote that the only time you see the outside world is through reflections or through windows mm-hmm. or something. We we did end up shooting a, a few uh, shots of, of the city, but um, but then A twenty four got a hold of the script, you know, which was a real surprise to me because we were supposed to just keep it in house for a bit, and uh, but we had sent it. I think they had sent it to one of the agencies to, for us to start looking for actors, and they came and said, we want to help, we want to finance this before you even make it. And we want to kind of uh, be uh, co-producers of it. Um, so yeah, things got, I mean, again, it was just yeah. like really just so what one was the by budget? one. It was about, uh, you know, I think with uh, tax credits and everything, it was kind of between, I think, seven and nine million. Right. And what was your first um, film? Budget? I mean, it was un- under a million. Oh, know? wow. So did yeah, you yeah. feel, did it feel... Did it feel any different for you? Because I always find, like, mm. when I'm directing other stuff, whether it's, like, you know, 1 million or 13 million for, like, TV shows and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, just, yeah. The process that we do is still the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, still yeah, yeah. Same stuff. But from a filmmaking point of view on a film, did it feel different? Did you have more people you had to answer to? You had to listen to their notes? Final yeah. cut and all that. Was that out the window? And No, I got final cut. You know, and A24 is pretty uh, uh, filmmaker friendly and they, you know, they wanted to work with me based on the script and uh, and um, the uh, 
yeah, and just the film that they had seen before. And uh, yeah, no, I, I feel really grateful because, um, yeah, and I got to edit it, you know. Um, so um, it, it did feel a little bit, you know, it was a little bit larger. We had probably 10 more days, you know, which means, you know, probably means the most, you know, because I think when you're trying to finish a day, it always feels the same. You know, I just did this thing with Apple and the thing I'm, I'm working on now, they're, they're just, they're, they're more like machines. But, you know, on the day, you, what, you know, it kind of feels like the same thing. You're like working with the, the, the group of collaborators and you're trying to uh, get through the day and try to get things that feel worth the while. Um, but, you know, those things do, like I, having more experience with something that's quite quite a bit larger, uh, I do love the intimacy of, you know, the first two films, even though there was difference in, in the scale they both felt really intimate. You know, they felt like it was, it, it was still small enough that you felt like a real family and there weren't a ton of like uh, another layer of, of producers and eyes and even a, a third layer, you know? So I, it still felt very similar compared to other experiences that I've had. Yeah. Because also like, you know, you have such a, the casting was just so strong and so great I mean Colin Farrell was brilliant in it and um Jodie Tennant-Smith I mean like just I mean, talk a little bit about the casting then in terms of were yeah. they people you had in mind or did mm. did you was it just a case of you sending it out and seeing who would buy or did you you know do yeah. you meet with yeah. them and, and, and yeah. give them a little test to see if they get it like what do you no. do you can't no, really audition what? these people can you yeah yeah no no and again you know I, I think I thought oh I'm gonna make um three to five million dollar film and so I'm you know that's like you think about like these character actors that you know so I wasn't thinking you know Colin is just one of our great actors you know and 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 such a lead actor um and you know again it wasn't you know it was one of those real happy circumstances like my producers called me apologetically telling me that oh i we're so sorry but a24 got a hold of the script and they want to make an offer you know <laughs> so i was like that's the kind of apology you want i'm like oh that's that's actually you know but we're sorry that it had gone out and and it's similar it's like um you know colin's team got a hold of the script and they're very interested in it you know would you be willing to meet them and i was like yeah of course i would you know so it was and at that point there were some i, I think once it got into uh, an agency i think that it was starting to get passed around i think people liked the script and they're like oh you, you know you, you guys should read it and so um yeah so i i met with colin and just you know i've been a long long admirer of him you know really since tigerland you know he has just such a incredible presence but really like a, a such a sense of history in his eyes and and he can play all the notes you know and I think mm -hmm. he's always been able to play all the notes and I knew that the register of the notes he would play here would be a little bit more limited and the question is like who's the musician who can really feel comfortable within an octave you know and and and, and uh you know and he immediately got it you know we talked uh, we zoomed at that point and um yeah we didn't even really talk a ton about the 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 film, although we did a bit, but, you know, it was just about life. And, and um, yeah, by the end of it, I just, you know, I, I it, you know, I just knew that it would be an incredible uh, honor for us to have him and that he would add something um, even, you know, greater to the, to the script. And then Jody was, um, so Colin was one of the first, you know, uh, actors attached and Jody came in late because we had had someone attached as the, the, the mother 
And um, of course, in America, this was during uh, the uh, Tr- Trump administration. Um, and uh, they suddenly like uh, didn't allow certain people to cross the border, you know, or, or made it really difficult. So our our actress was in Cannes and, and uh, she was an international actress and she suddenly couldn't come. And uh, we uh, so like we were already in production and we had to um yeah and then we had to suddenly try to recast it you know we either had to stop production or recast it and uh our you know um we had almost immediately we were able to get um five uh actors from LA we're kind of like our our casting director was able to sort of narrow it down to the five best uh and uh, Jody was a part of it, and they were all willing. You know, I, I think like an opportunity to uh, act against Colin and and this script and everything. Yeah. There, there were, you know, we did. It was nice at how quickly we had real high quality act- actresses who were willing to cut, fly to New York and audition. And then, um, were you looking we, for someone in particular in terms of mm-hmm. um, race, or were you quite open because of the adoption element? Did yeah. You, I, I think I was. I wanted to kind of find another minority, like an internet. I, I had this idea of this future that was very um, international, you know. And I, I didn't. We didn't name the place. You know, it really was like a post post apocalyptic uh, city that had sort of emerged out of, you know, in our mind, a kind of a climate catastrophe. And you know, when you read or do any research about these future climate catastrophes, they always talk about migration and new cities being formed where they can. Um, you know, adapt and and the, the the conditions are right, and so that's kind of how we imagined this city. And so I knew that I wanted to use people that sort of represented the world and um, have them use their own accents and just kind of feel like this wasn't, uh, you know, uh, dominantly like a, a one sort of um, uh, kind of race or or demographic. Uh, so I was looking for something that would might that that might make it a, a more blended uh, family. Um, so we had, you know, we had these five of our top five of the, of the people who who submitted very last minute, and uh, Jody was there. But we didn't, we didn't. None of them uh, offered us tapes. We just wanted to bring them there and have them read against Colin. So they all flew, but Jody, Jody had missed her plane, or, or her plane had gotten canceled. Her flight had gotten canceled. So we, you know, again, we were already in production. I had to shoot something later that day, but in the morning, uh, we all uh, they they came to Colin's hotel. And we just did these quick uh, line reads and tape, and we taped them, and uh, and then we knew that Jody was not going to make it, uh, so we were just kind of choosing out of the four, and we 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 had identified someone that you know we're like oh, okay, I think she's I think she would work, quality you know, uh, Colin and I had sort of uh, sort of um, talked ourselves into like this being a, a, a you know a, a good person for for this role, and then. Um, and then uh, I, then we got this last second call from Jody's agent saying, "I know that she's missed it, but she is flying anyway." She said, "I have to just fly there, and even you know, like I, I'm just going to go anyway." And uh, so Colin was like, "I don't shoot today. I'll stay here. And I'll, I'll just, I'll we'll, we'll do a, a reading, and I'll send you the tape if it's anything." But we kind of had decided on someone, so I was uh, back on uh, location. And then, you know, late, later in the evening, he, you know, he sent me a text and said, you know, fuck, you have to see this tape. This is, you know, and I looked at it and it was just electric between, you know, there she's, he was like, she is like incredible. 
And she was, you know, she was like, you know how it is, you know, as, as directors, you know, you just feel like you're trying to overcome obstacles and, and things are not happening as you planned. And then it's suddenly better than you have ever planned, you know, and that was Jody is like, we couldn't have imagined and their, their dynamic and her, just the, the her fat, the, you know, just the various facets of Jody's um, being and performance. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so Jody, you know, took this second plane. And then never left New York. She just, uh, she, uh, yeah, she just stayed there from then on. Two days later, she was doing the dance sequence. That was her first. Uh, oh my God. Which yeah, we have was, to talk about because I yeah, absolutely, yeah. what an open, I mean, I love <laughs> that dance sequence and I wanted to find out like, like, cause obviously, well, one, like who choreographed that? Like, mm-hmm. did you get someone in? Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. did you learn it? <laughs> um, and three did you did you shoot like I mean like it was just so much fun and I just love that whole concept and I kind of yeah, want to know yeah. what they win if they ever ever made uh, it what do they get yeah. what do they get <laughs> uh, that's a good question I, 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 I don't think I can answer that um but um the the choreographer was great Celia Ralston Hall who is also a filmmaker but she's a choreographer and she'll make these films with with dance uh, uh as a part of it um and she's brilliant and talented uh yeah and i just i went in the writing stage i had just written you know uh when when jody's character says you know i want to be a team a family you know it just like suddenly you know i it didn't i just wrote like it cuts into a you know this family dance um and i just love the idea of this competition and and families trying to literally be in sync with one another you know which is um what families try to do anyways, you know, like we're just, you know, Mm. like to try to be a functional family, you try to find uh, synchronization somehow. And often that's not possible. You know, that's the real struggle of families. And um, I love Ozu, uh, the the Japanese director, and a lot of the beginnings of his films are not necessarily, they're not dances, but I've always interpreted them as him giving a moment for these fam for us to see families in rhythm with one another, you know, trying to, whether it's getting ready for breakfast and getting ready for a day. Um, and I, it always kind of puts, it always sort of centers you around this family before some kind of, some sort of disillusion happens. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought, oh, God, and I love dance, you know, and I love dance and film, but I, I am not a good dancer at all. I, I didn't know the dance. Uh, but, but yeah. It was so, so good. It was so good. And, I, and it also sort of broke my heart later when, Mm-hmm. Um, when she says, oh, you know, like we can enter as a family of three. I don't want to be a family of three. Yeah, and that yeah. just really, it just, it just broke my heart because mm-hmm. I think that just sort of encapsulates grief in a way where you're just yeah. like, there's certain things that you can't yeah. do anymore that you right. could do. And it's just those yeah. little moments that I just thought you really nailed it with, with uh, those lines and those moments and the contrast of this joyful moment at the beginning yeah. that we all saw, we all mm. were enjoying mm. as an audience. And mm. then having that little, co- you know, the, the line later on, uh, it was just, it was really well done. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great way to start though. It, it was like the fourth or fifth day of production and then Jody's first day. But it was kind of amazing because it really forced them to kind of work together. And by the end of it, you know, Jody was just sort of entering into our world. And by the end of that, the filming them dance as a team, uh, I mean, they were they were just like hugging and high fiving. You know, it was a real every family really had bondage because they had to get through this dance sequence, you know, and that they had only two days to learn. And, and uh, yeah, so it was really, it was you know, if I could start every film uh, uh, production that way, you know, I would do it. 
It's so true. Every time you do a dance, like I've done a few dance sequences, and every time you do dance sequences with actors, they they bond. Like it's a stronger thing. Yeah. Like it's yeah, yeah. A, it's yeah. If you ever like yeah, I agree. It's top tip is take your actors to even if you don't have a dance sequence, take them out right. to go dancing, <laughs> right. or go to a yoga class, or do something. You know, I something so. physical where they Their have bodies, to like yeah, yeah, yeah. move yeah. and stuff. And um, and let's talk about. Um, the actress that plays uh, Mika, who was just yeah. incredible. I mean, what a find. I mean, yeah. how, how, tell me about finding her and, and what yeah. work you might have did with her because she had, mm. obviously hadn't acted before or hadn't right. done much. So I think she had done young. a commercial. Yeah, she had done a commercial or two. I think when we, when she started, I think she was seven. Um, wow. And uh, she, uh, I had seen her um, Someone, there was a video that was viral that was going on uh, around, uh, uh, and it was of her uh, singing the national anthem. She had won a contest for uh, the LA Express, which is our uh, major league soccer team in Los Angeles, and to get to sing the national anthem, which I think is really, I don't know if it's her first love, but it's one of her great loves with acting. And um, they were passing it around because, you know, this little body of a girl was belting out uh, the national anthem, like she was Aretha Franklin. I mean, she was growling and it was so uh, enormous. It was an enormous rendition. You see the soccer players are all reacting to this uh, girl. And I saw that and she reminded me of one of my nieces at that age, uh, which really when I was writing that part, I was kind of writing one of my nieces who, uh, what, like all of my nieces have always been very precocious and they could kind of talk to you like a, a little adults. And and I just have, you know, my two boys had just kind of come out of that phase and I just loved having conversations with them, you know, um, so uh, so she kind of looked like like one of my nieces and um, and. And uh, I just asked what my uh, our casting director. I was like, "Can we find out if she can act at all?" You know, I think I think she could be uh, Mika. Of course, that's a big leap. You know, I had I'd only seen her sing the national anthem, and they brought her in, and they were floored because <clears throat> they gave her some sides, and she read it, and she read it kind of dramatically, kind of like a Disney. You know, like she she loves watching Disney shows, and and then they gave her some notes to, uh, and she immediately kind of took the notes. I mean, she's such a smart you know, uh, artist really. And, and, and she took the notes and that's what surprised her, uh, them because, uh, she, within, within like three takes, she had kind of, uh, you know, attuned herself to, to the part. Yeah. And once I saw that, I was, I thought, Oh, that she, she's Armika. And this was before casting. Cause we, we hadn't even started. Uh, it was like three weeks before, but I had just asked if we could bring her in and then, so we kind of did our due diligence and brought other other girls that age in. But she was uh, she she was uh, our our Mika, you know, um, um, right away. Did you re- did you rehearse with her before, or did Colin rehearse? Like, what was that process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the actors really took a lot of ownership of of building relationship with her. You know, she is so such a diligent, studious person. Like, she came in to. Uh, the first day that she arrived, she knew not just her part, she knew every part. She knew the dance, you know, her family really helped her. Uh, so in some ways, a lot of it was to take out what the the pre-rehearsal, you know, because mm-hmm. she already had her own rhythm to it, which was okay, but sometimes it didn't feel like she, it felt like she was had memorized it as opposed to uh, it coming out. Uh, so some of it, you know, I think that was most of the work was to try to 
um, ground it a bit more. And, you know, as a, as a young girl who did watch a lot of Disney, we, we actually had a, a, a bit of a, you know, between us kind of thing where I would do like, okay, give me one of these takes, you know, I do, I just put my hand across my face and then just suddenly get real serious. And I was just like, do, do a take where you don't see any emotion on your face. And so she, you know, was she always uh, uh, kind of uh, laughed at and liked, and, and then she would do a take with where she was trying to like contain some of that emotion and uh yeah so that was really you know the she, she was, was smart so enough, great. Yeah. i yeah, remember yeah. this there was i mean she was brilliant throughout but there was one scene in particular where i just thought wow which it, it's a really small moment <laughs> and but she's in the uh shop where she's going to buy the fish and she mm. wants to leave with the fish and she mm. just gives this little look and you're like Oh my god! Like it was just brilliant. I mean, was that I something you, that. you got her to do? Like, or did oh, she come up with it? I mean, no. tell me about that moment because stuff yeah. like that, you're like, that's oh. gold. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that you noticed that. No, no, that's her really, and it's her in her relationship with uh, with uh, Colin as well. You know, Colin, God, really just delighted in her because she made he, you know she made him laugh, and she, uh, yeah, you know he. Uh, they had a really special relationship and as as did uh, you know she had a special relationship with really all of the the grown-ups on the 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 set all the the actors um but no she had that she really had a personality you know and she really also understood kind of the moment you know she would ask about it she read the short story you know she was really you know she had takes you know she had her, her own idea about it so yeah it was, that's it was, amazing you know, that yeah, i was yeah. like oh my god i saw that i was like she's, she's brilliant because <laughs> yeah. i say how do you get that out of a kit because it's hard you know but you yeah yeah it's just yeah. it's just there that's yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. so with the directing then so you've, you've you've written the script you've now you've got the cast you're you're there you're you're shooting and then did you find like your style because obviously it was quite different um from your first film but mm-hmm. like like you said it was like the last film was all about the wides and the huge buildings yeah. and the exteriors and you know they they were much part of the film and characters in the film yeah. you know whereas this is almost a very interior film yeah. Um, yeah like you said it was it's set in the future but you kind of don't see what that future looks like you only right. feel what it feels like from an interior point of view so yeah. tell us a little bit about the choices in terms of how you went around like were you when you were writing it you were like I kind of know my shots already or is this something mm. that you worked with the DP which yeah. obviously I'd love to talk about as well in terms of how you chose him how that collaboration yeah. started because obviously you haven't worked with him before so yeah just talk a little bit about the yeah yeah language. yeah yeah no I, I think thematically and spatially it was going to be interior and I, I have to say you know I, I throughout was just missing um, I love wide shots and, and, you know, the a new way, Taiwanese new wave cinema was like, oh, we're going to use establishing shots for not just to establish the scene, but it's going to be uh, integral to, to our scenes. And I've always taken to that kind of cinema too. Um, but, you know, I knew, like, I, I just wanted to challenge myself to kind of get inside this family and really inside, uh, you know, we literally go inside of Yang and, and, and really the, if there's an emotional arc, it's uh, the interior of Jake, which is really, again, incremental, you know, in the arc. And so uh, there was a way in which we, we, you know, the challenge was to try to capture interiority 
as an aesthetic, you know, and to try to understand that. And, and we also had kind of, you know, me and uh, Benjamin really discussed the different forms of reality that the visitor, uh, that the viewers would encounter. So there was our present day reality, which mm. we shot on widescreen and mm. al- always on sticks, you know, it was always grounded. Um, but then uh, we knew that we'd have Yang's memories, which would be like uh, 185 aspect ratio. It opened up a bit and that was going to be, and we, uh, uh, there, that was going to be handheld and it was going to obviously be his POV and we used a different lens. Uh, and then we would have um, human memory, which we also mm-hmm. stayed in the wide, but it was also going to kind of be uh, floating a bit like on a stable eye, you know, and, and uh, um so we knew that we were also going to play with different levels of interiority. So we had a real discussion about like um, the the whys and, and when we encountered these sort of three realities. And I also knew that editing was going to be a part of that human memory that I was going to do this echoing and repeating and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, my, my tip, my, my hat tip to Ozu was that it, during the, uh, and this was pre-COVID where now we're, we're in Zooming and everybody's Zooming, but we're like, oh, let's have these sort of immersive uh, conversations that are, yeah. are video and we'll do it in the sort of academic, uh, academy ratio and they'll look straight at the camera, kind of like Ozu's character. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that there was technology, but it was invisible, you know, like you didn't yeah. get a sense of it. And it, But as an audience, when you're watching it, you absolutely subconsciously through those the changing aspect ratios you know where you are you know what whose point of view and I thought that was beautifully and powerfully done because you know it's quite a bold choice and 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 sometimes sort of selling that idea to maybe the producers or I mean did you have to sell that idea or they were just like do whatever you want (laughs) no I mean yeah I had a little bit because I think you know when you tell people you're going to do a sci-fi I think there is an element and I'm sure it's disappointing to some that you know, part of it is just like the gadgets that are going to exist and you're going to see floating, you know, uh, um, screens that are going to be, you know, uh, see-through, you know, there's just all this stuff that you're used to seeing um, and holograms. But I, yeah, I, I, I did have to explain that I wanted everything to be invisible and I just kind of wanted to use the, the language of cinema as my special effect. You know, I just thought, oh, mm-hmm. cinema is its own sort of uh, effect anyways and that I think we can do it where and and our future was far more organic and they they had to make peace with nature and it was kind mm-hmm. of the future that I wanted to see because I'm, I'm I'm tired of seeing screens all over my you know the spaces that I mm-hmm. live in so it was like a really a screenless fit space but you but there were moments where you felt like you were inside of a screen uh and there were you know we we uh you know, so much of our VFX was actually eliminating things like wires and all of that, you know, so it was just like this, there were no wires and, and you know, there's no, uh, there are all this stuff that we had sort of eliminated. And I had to kind of sell the concept a bit, but, you know, they were receptive. Again, I had a, I had a team who was really supportive. And the production design was incredible because I, I really loved the sort of plants everywhere and this idea, yeah, like yeah. you're saying about the organic growth and stuff. I mean, even in the taxi, there's like, there's yeah, stuff yeah. there. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. Was that something, again, that you had scripted or was that something that the production designer came on board with? Like how... You talk a little bit about that. Process. Yeah, but I can't remember how much detail because my 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 scripts are pretty spare. But I don't, I can't remember the detail. I did give, you know, I I did talk about the auto car and that we'd be outside of it most of the time, and it'd be about reflections moving across it. Um, and I, I it was either early on or that I wrote. I mean, I did write that this was an organic uh, 
future. But really, it was in our conversations that I had with with uh, Alexandra and our costume designer. You know, we really talked about the textures uh, and and the way and really the backstory that we never really tell. But it was going to inform all the design decisions, which was again a society that had been sort of humbled by by uh, the the nature and and really had to figure out how to make peace because it was no longer just a theory but it was oh this is the only way we're going to continue to sustain ourselves so mm-hmm. uh, once they had that idea you know they really like dove into like an echo future both uh in regards to clothes and 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 technology yeah and before we move on to the questions I just wanted to also just briefly touch on editing because obviously you wrote it you directed it and now Mm -hmm. you're editing it which means Mm -hmm. you're so close to your material do you what's your process do you do you get someone else to assemble it and or do you assemble it do you do you do you switch off go climb a mountain for two weeks then come back to your rushes you know, like because yeah, sometimes yeah. you need a bit of that separation, and yeah, and also yeah. once you have edited your first cut, do you <clears throat> really listen to those notes, or do you do test audience screenings? Like, how do you yeah go through I, that process? I, yeah, and I think it's going to change for me a little bit because I think this one was different. I think I think Columbus had a real good sense of what I you know how it was going to work, and and I did hear too, but I because of the editing took a lot longer because it did go through a note process that was a lot longer as well. And I had never spent this much time on any, any, any piece. It wasn't like, you know, a year or anything, but even like five or six months into it, uh, it was the most I've had ever had uh, sort of stared at a project. And I think afterwards I had kind of wished, and I had an assistant, I did have someone who did an initial assembly and then I sort of kind of, as I do, you know, it really is to organize and then I just kind of make it my own. Um, but I, I do realize the value of having someone to converse with. Like, I think in the future, I might want to co-edit, you know, and, and have mm-hmm. someone who's really working and in conversation uh, because you do, you know, you can get so close to it. And I think I took a week or two between uh, just because I had, to, I was you know, away. And then, and then I shot it back. I, I edited it when I was home and I, I had to take a moment, you know, to resettle with my family, but I usually get, feel real eager, you know, to kind of like look at, uh, at kind of start to see the first, the way the scenes work. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, uh, yeah, but it was like, I, I did realize like, Oh God, I'm so close to this for so long that I, and, and, and there were a few moments where I had some space and actually, you know, what I, uh, what premiere premiered at Cannes is a bit different now because, uh, after, yeah, after Cannes, it was really when I had some real distance because then I shot this whole thing with Apple and, uh, um, and I finally really had some distance and then I saw it at Cannes and, you know, it was, it was, uh, uh, well received, but I could see it, you know, I could see it and I thought, Oh, um, there are a few things I would do differently and I would have lived with it, you know, the wabi-sabi of it all. But, um, but then when I found out that day 24 was not going to release it for, uh, there was going to be uh, not a, not a full year, but close to it. You know, I approached them and said, Hey, I, I you know, and it, it's shorter, you know, usually sometimes uh, like a director cut, you want to, you want to, you add more, but I actually thought, Oh, the rhythm of this, you know, uh, is, you know, could be tighter and, and a, a few things. So, um, 
Yeah. So, you know, I'm, this is because I'm so just they, talking. They, they let you go back so. in. Did you, yeah. Did, yeah. Did they pay for that? Did you pay yeah, for that? Yeah, they paid for it. <laughs> they paid That's for great. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just thought, oh, I think it's going to be a better cut. I do think it's a better cut, you know, and I, I actually added a little scene, but then a lot of it was about, uh, about making it move a little bit uh, better, in my opinion. And what then, did you add? I added this little family dinner scene uh, right at the beginning, just where they're eating together, which was even a longer scene, but then I had eliminated it completely. And then I just thought, oh, we, we just should see this family together one more time, you know, um, and, uh, and, and yeah. So, um, because again, when you cut to that image where they're eating later and there's the seats yeah, missing, it's, yeah, it's exactly. that stuff yeah, that it's yeah. home, you know? Yeah. So, but it did go through a note process and it, you know, A24 had a couple screenings that were just selective and it was mostly filmmakers. And uh, yeah, and there were some notes that were good. And and I, uh, uh, throughout, you know, I think there were some notes that that, that helped out, uh, you know, and, and stuff that you, you know, you obviously you fight for. And, and at the end of the day, because I had final cut, you know, I could just kind of make it uh, the way I wanted. But yeah, but I, I realized like the the process of putting that in conversation earlier, you know, I think I'm, I, I've been a little precious and, you know, you know how you kind of mm -hmm. like have that thing in your head, but I think I, I think I'm, uh, yeah, I think I'm open a bit more to, uh, especially if they share the same sensibility, just having someone to mm -hmm. really uh, talk through uh, a, a, a bit more while you're doing it as opposed to because you know I love my producers and every time we show it but then they're just kind of responding to decisions that you made and and you know it's a little yeah. bit different and then you're by yourself kind of going back at it whereas if I had an editor then I would be in that sort of like I would I would be the one who would have fresh eyes on it all the time right totally so, you're the one who right. can actually go off do something with your family for a few days come back yeah, and be yeah. like, oh it works so it doesn't work and I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I agree because it's something that I've sort of come to realize as well as I've more and more stuff is like having distance is the biggest kind of gift you can give yourself it, in the edit it's it actually you know because it's kind of like your first read of a script if you haven't written it it's like mm -hmm. that's the most important read you know you'll never yeah. get that again and you've got to remember how you feel and it's a little bit like when you watch a film because most people don't watch films twice so yeah. you've got to really yeah. make sure you you nail those yeah. moments yeah, um, yeah. No, when you watched a film or a scene a hundred times, you, you're losing something, you know. So it it, it does require that. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's lovely to talk to fellow directors because you know I it's, yeah. I can just tell you like oh god I I'm just there's this more to learn and and you realize that you know maybe there's a better way uh, at it. So yeah, yeah. No, definitely right. So I think there's a question here. So I'm gonna um, read it out. Um, okay. It's from Simon Smith, who is an editor. Uh, can I, uh, editor director, I assume, um, can I ask about a specific moment, the opening photograph, how it flips upside down and how it becomes an integral story point later? I loved it. How did this become realized? Was this something you knew when you scripted or discovered it later in the edit? As the writer, director, editor, do you discover much in the edit? Mm. Yeah, I do. You know, I do. I, 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 that was never like, if you saw the script, that scene was later on, you know, uh, and it was more, uh, God, I, I can al almost not even remember how I had scripted it, but it was in the chunk where he's sort of remembering 
uh, this this photograph and 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 there's something complicated happening where you realize like oh that perspective is from the perspective of the camera the thing that we see at the very beginning of the film is like the eye of the camera that we're watching which is why we we, we flip it um, and then later on we see that Jake has his own human memory of that of that moment where they took that photograph and then Jake has also entered Yang's memory. Uh, where Yang kind of uh, captures that 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 memory, so there's three levels of like uh, experiences of that, and I had them kind of all together in the script, um, which worked really well as um, as a text. You know, people were kind of loving that, but once I try to edit that, um, it uh, it just got too confused. You know, there was just too it was too thick in some ways, and I and I needed to separate it. Um, and then I was also really struggling with the way to start the film, you know, like and I had written a start and it wasn't really working for me. Um, what so was that the was, start originally? How were you? Um, I think the start originally was, um, it wasn't in the tea shop either. I think it was, um, I think, God, was it, uh, I think the start might've been, uh, this is another, uh, again, uh, this is among us directors, you know, I, I, I believe the start was the conversation about adoption in the car, you know, that, that comes uh, 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 now, like at the end of the day of their, their, you know, after Yang breaks, I think that was actually uh, existed as almost the opening that we start with uh, her coming home from school. And then we also, you know, it was going to be like, uh, all three of the family members during that the course of that day, and then they come together and they have a meal. Uh, um, so then I knew I was going to sort of abbreviate that a little bit, and that I was going to move this conversation to after Yang had. Uh, there, there, there came a point in the edit where I thought, oh, I think it would be great if we didn't really that everything we know about Yang is after, really after he he's broken down. That it really is mm -hmm. us. That that when he first breaks down, we don't feel sad because we don't know him very well, you know. But mm -hmm. like throughout the film, kind of just like Jake, that we catch up to feeling grief because in many ways mm -hmm. thematically, it was like uh, you can't feel loss until you feel love, you know, that it is mm -hmm. a requirement of grief is that you love something so much that, that it hurts you when it's gone. And, and, you know, in a human way, I've sometimes have lived a detached life so that I don't have to deal with pain, you know, and it is the cost. It's like you, you know, uh, you can live that way and avoid pain, but you also, you know, um, you, you know, you, you also lack, you know, a real, um, intimacy or presence. Um, anyways, to get back to that, uh, then, yeah, there was a moment in the edit that I just dropped this little moment with the family um, through the eyes of this camera uh, at the very beginning. And it immediately like did something for me immediately was like, oh, this is a family. You know, this is we all mm -hmm. understand family photos again, uh, because I love Ozu. You know, he often has family photos in his films and he's also has uh, well, well, occasionally will flip, you know. And so, um, yeah, once I did that. Um, it really gave me a real orientation to how I wanted to kind of enter this film. Yeah, no, and it was great because you do, you, you see them as a family, you see there's something you're like, what is he thinking? Why is he not coming? Why, you know, so there's yeah, an intrigue yeah. there, which yeah. sort of, because obviously when you're going into the room, you have no idea what it's about. So, you know, you're seeing him yeah, just carrying yeah. on dancing and you're like, why is he carrying on dancing? Is he really into dancing? And it's <laughs> yeah, only yeah. like, and I love the fact that it's not all, you know, you just, yeah. you discover it as you go along, you know, and again, it's yeah. that thing, 
that you don't necessarily realize when you're in the middle of making it and you're restructuring yeah. it and you're editing <clears throat> it. And yeah, that yeah. first experience of going, oh, actually, this is a mystery for us and we, we're yeah. going to find out this world right. and we're putting to, together the pieces of, of where we are. Where are we? Like, what year is this? What is, you know, what is the technology? What's the state of affairs? Does it really matter? No, it doesn't. It's actually the core principles of humanity, loss, love, you know, grief. Those, yeah. those things don't change you know yeah. whatever yeah. era we're in and that's you know yeah. that's why it was so beautiful because it really connected you know? yeah yeah no it felt like oh this is sort of like an existential detective story like he is trying to fix this uh this robot his son you know this this appliance and it turns out to be this search for some some meaning you know mm-hmm. uh, because he knows he's, he's not going to be able to fix them but there's something else that's starting to that he's trying to piece together a bit you know about what's worth memory remembering and and stuff that you know a a life that has passed him by because he is detached you know he's probably the character that i fear becoming you know at times and uh and so yeah there was something there but yeah it really worked i mean i i love that question because it was a real piece of the puzzle for me because then when he returns to that memory you you recall it from the very beginning you know it it, it you're kind of in the same place that that, that jake was that uh, recalling something that had happened and, and and start to piece that together yeah great um great uh let me just check if there's any more because i'm terrible at this technology just just to check if there's any more q and a Oh, there isn't, but I will ask more questions because I always have lots more questions. So, um, so I, so let's just talk a little bit about Yang actually, and and the actor and how how because that's quite a hard thing to play, isn't it? Yeah. And what sort of notes and direction would you give him? Because obviously, we've seen a lot of robots and we've seen a lot of like over the years in, in various forms. So I just, I guess I want yeah. to know what your take was, again, what you'd written or what you had maybe then changed when you met the actor, what or were you mm. very specific with the casting because you really knew what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wanted Yang to be a mystery. I mean, I think that that's, if, 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 if he has to be a mystery worth uh, trying to uncover, I think for Jake. Uh, even though at first, you know, he sees Yang as a very simple being. Um, but even as I was writing Yang, I, I was always trying to keep him at a distance. Like, you know, obviously, if you're the author, you can kind of be God and know all the answers about, okay, this is Yang and this is how he's programmed. And But I, I, I wanted to do the opposite, you know. And so when I wrote the dialogues between him and his the humans, uh, I, I really, I, it was really lovely to write because, you know, he would sometimes say, oh, I, I lost my train of thought. And I didn't understand why he would say that, you know, was he trying to comfort the humans? Does does he lose his train of thought? But it, it uh, and that's kind of how I wrote him is like not really knowing why he would say certain things that he said, you know, and, and it made the writing of it so much more interesting to me because I was trying to understand. Uh, and so when I, uh, cast uh, uh, Justin, it was also because, you know, even in his tape, there was just an immediate, uh, even just the modulation of his voice, it just made me lean in. And 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 Justin in himself, it's like, like I'm still trying to figure him out as a uh, actor and a human being, you know, because mm-hmm. he contains uh, like multitudes. And I told him, you know, that I, I don't want I really want you to know Yang better than me. I, I really want Yang to have secrets that I that none of us know. And um, yeah, so I didn't really give him uh, 
direction about who Yang was. Like, I didn't want to be Yang's programmer. You know, I just thought, um, mm-hmm. but we did talk about, you know, you know, we talked about, uh, I, I mean, he understood, you know, kind of the sense of Yang's own history. Uh, but yeah, it was really for him to, to, to explore. And uh, yeah. And, you know, I think I chose the right person for that. No, he was brilliant. He was really good. And he definitely pulls you in. You definitely lean in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I can't believe we haven't even touched on and but uh, the music. I mean, the mm. music is incredible, mm. and I can't believe Sakamoto. I mean, oh my god, that one. I want to. Oh my god. I mean, you know, like, yeah. is he a mate? Like, how did you like? Uh, um, yeah, it was a really. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I mean, he was just on the top of my list of, you know, in my wildest imagination, could he would he ever, you know, uh, contribute to my film? I've just been a fan of his for so long. And um, there's this a soundtrack he did for Tony Takatani, which if anyone asked me, oh, what's your favorite soundtrack? I, it was always that. Yeah. And, and someone just challenged me to write him a letter. And I was like, oh, he's not even going to, you know, but he he. I, I wrote him a letter and he read it and you know he how was do you, how do you what do you do you write him a, a physical letter or an email do you or like I'm really intrigued I, I, I think I, I think we printed out like, yeah yeah someone like one of my producers knew like an agent of his and said you know and just said you know this you know Koganada just you know adores him and and so yeah he said well I'll, I'll see you know I know he's busy but I'll, I'll try to get this letter to him and I think we did print it out and you know because he's such a you know, like, uh, tangible, you know, he likes to, you know, um, feel and, 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 uh, yeah, he's just, he's incredible. He's very immersive. And, uh, yeah. And then I got word that he, he was, uh, like open that he, you know, it was always like, he was in the middle of, uh, quite a bit and, and, uh, but was he was film already cut at this point or was no, this no, 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 okay. yeah, it, no, it was, uh, I had a very like rough cut that had none of the effects and it, it, you, you know, uh, none of the memories and any of it. So, um, so he said, yeah, let me see that really rough cut. And it was really rough. And, uh, but he saw it and he said, um, I will write a theme for it. He's like, I re- I'm, I'm committed to a project, but I will write a theme, which, you know, meant the world to me. And, and in fact, he, I got invited to, he had this concert in LA where he was just him and a piano and it was just completely packed. And, uh, and in this old theater is the most beautiful thing. And then he said he would meet me afterwards, but he, uh, Made, he he played, he almost never does this in concert, but he played the Tony Takatani song because he knew I was there. And oh. uh, which was just, you know, and then afterwards he, we, we talked about it. Oh, you know, I mean, it's just really yeah. a, a, a quite- He's amazing. I've thing. actually yeah. seen him in Brighton and with the oh. piano. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, yeah, well. he's like just... a maestro. Yeah, yeah. just so, uh, yeah. So he did this theme so, and so then, yeah. How did it work then with the composer that you got on mm-hmm. board? Um, and, and uh, were uh, they like Asuka, offended? <laughs> oh no, uh, no. Asuka uh, uh, like, okay, uh, was even. I would say, and I would almost would never put someone like my love for him is deep and real. And I think Asuka loved him more. You know, like she knew uh, she aspired. You know, to be uh, Sakamoto, and and kind of shares very similar. She's uh, uh, 
quite a bit younger, but she also was trained as a classical pianist. She also got into the underground music scene. You know, I think Spike Jones and her were friends and, and Spike Jones said, oh, you should try to do uh, film scores because she was doing a lot of experimental music and, and installation music. And so, uh, but Sakamoto was like, I think the first concert she ever went to was uh, Sakamoto's concert. So she, when uh, she was, uh, she loved the idea of getting to turn this theme and, and allow it to kind of inform the rest of the music. And I mean, this is the genius of Asuka. She knew a friend who was working on a uh, like a AI uh, composer. And, uh, and so she uh, fed this uh, theme song to this AI. And what this AI does is like takes the music and kind of like, uh, like has a conversation with it, with its own music that it forms. And so uh -huh. she, she started feeding this theme song into this, uh, to this AI who then kind of took that and, and played its own uh, song. And she allowed all of that to kind of inform her, her own composition. Yeah. Oh, wow. Brilliant. That's so yeah. cool. That's yeah, so yeah. cool. Yeah, oh yeah. my god well i could talk and ask you questions all night uh, but i have a feeling you. our time might be up but um yeah, yeah. and um you know but i just wanted yeah to say congratulations again incredible uh, film um very excited to see your next work and um just also wanted to thank uh directors uk for organizing this chat and you know for me to have the opportunity to ask you questions and um yeah i mean i don't know if there's anything else you want to add before we well like, yeah i just want to thank uh uk directors i mean uh the uk looms large for me as a cinephile but also you know my career kind of starts with uh these sort of video essays and sight and sound and the bfi were the first people to commission me to do work and it really sort of launched my uh career more publicly you know and they were real um force and in, in, in um really championing what i was doing even at the, the smallest level so uh, you know i feel so so grateful for for you guys and uh for the you know for the community here so thank you guys appreciate it oh thank you so much this podcast was recorded at a directors uk member event you can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.